Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. All right, beautiful people, I want to thank you for joining me here this morning. I am your host, Nube Brown, 
here on Prison Focus Radio on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We are going to continue with our last week um, commemorating Black August Memorial and Black August Resistance. And uh, since we always have such a shorter time than I would like, we are going to get started right away. We are going to be hearing um, audio archives of uh, Georgia Jackson talking about the killing of her son, George Jackson, the day after his death on August 22nd, 1971. These are archives from the KPFA um, Pacifica Radio Stations, uh, Pacifica Radio Archives, and um, there is also uh, a YouTube um, segment, I believe, of this press conference uh, that you can find also that was sent over, um, but it's about, it's a, just a little over 10 minutes, but if you look up uh, George Georgia Jackson's uh, speaking on the day after her son's murder, um, you can find that on YouTube. We are going to be playing the audio here. We don't often get to hear from Georgia Jackson, but she is um, a force to be reckoned with, a true revolutionary mama. Clubs laughed at me and then imitated a southern flat voice to me. They don't care who dies so long as they keep control of that prison and the money that comes into it. It's money, that's the only thing it is. Like everything else in America. You were talking earlier about the possibilities uh, of your son having a gun when he left the cell. Can you talk about that? I don't see how he could possibly get out of the the cell with a gun. When he's searched, by the time he steps out, they search him. Because I've watched it many times myself. They search him, no matter who's visiting him. No matter how many visitors he has, they search him after each visit. Put the cuffs and chains on him and take him back. Make you go out and then bring him back in for the next visitor. After that visitor leaves, they do the same thing. There's no way possible for him to have a gun on him without them finding it. It's impossible. Do you have any idea at all about the chronology of events yesterday? Do you have you been able no. to find out anything? Only thing I know is what I heard on the radio. I haven't even been informed that he was dead officially. They don't see fit to do that. They don't consider me worth it. How do you think the other prisoners died? How do you think the other prisoners died? I don't know how the other prisoners died. And the guards. Because it seems far-fetched to me the way they tell it. They tell it differently every time. They don't stick to no one story. It's always changing. And when you go back the next time, they'll have a different story to tell you also. When did you um, first contact the prison, uh, and what did they say to you? Last night. I called them last night several times, trying to get some information. But I was told they didn't want to talk to me and that I couldn't have his body until they were finished with it. And I couldn't have his personal possessions until they're finished with those. And I don't see why they need his personal possessions. His papers and his writings and his, his uh, anything that he has in there belongs to me. Are they now giving you any indication of when you're going to be able to get his body and get his personal possessions? Uh, Mr. Thomas called a few minutes ago and said that he could come, that I could come now. 
I guess they gave him an autopsy to see that they shot him. You know, I thought an autopsy was for when you didn't know the cause of death. They know the cause of his death because they shot him. Now, why did they have to give him one? And they'll embalm him and make him and make us pay for it. They didn't call at all to tell me he was dead. How did you hear? On the radio. I heard it on the radio. You were sitting at home with your husband? And, uh... I was at home. My daughter turned the radio on, and, and that's what we heard on channel, I don't know, CBS, I think it was. You flew straight up here, and your husband yeah. is still in L.A., right? Then I came up here to see what was going on, but nobody will tell me anything. They, they actually said we refused to tell you anything or what? That's what he said. Park said he didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to see me. Yes, that, but and I, I asked him because I thought he was the one in authority and he's the one that should know what happened. I asked other people who answered the phone and they wouldn't talk either. You, the last time you saw George was on Thursday, right? Last no, Thursday week. How was he then, and what did he say to you? He was all right, except that he he was feared for his life. What did he actually say? He said they're trying to kill him. What what indications, specific indications, did he have that they were trying to kill him? The guards passed by his door and make threats. The guard passed by his door and told him he only had two weeks to live, and they meant it. It was two weeks exactly, almost. This was, now this, the last time you saw him was then two weeks ago? It was a week ago this past Thursday. How long, how long did you spend with him then? About an hour, a little less. Was he very worried about this um, threats to kill him? Was that the main sub subject of your conversation? That's what he about. Yeah. I know last month he introduced me to a guard up there and told me that he was one person that he could say that was a good person because he kept him alive. He said, you can thank this man for keeping your son alive as long as he's been alive because he helps me. But I can't remember the man's name. What do you plan to do now, Mrs. Jackson? As far as you say that uh, you don't want to let this just stand. What, what do you and the uh, Solidarity Defense Committee plan I, to do? I, I plan to try to let the public know that they're lying and that this is not the first black man that they've killed up there and swept it under the rug. They've been doing it ever since they had the prison. And getting away with it just because they're black and nobody cares. Well, I care about my son. And I care about the other people who were killed also. I know that those people are grieving for their people just like I am for mine. think that people should get together and find out what really goes on in these prisons and stop taking their word for it all the time because these people are in a position they have jobs that they want to keep and they'll lie about anything they'll try to frame anybody in order to keep their jobs do you know who visited someone i think visited uh, georgia yesterday i asked who it was and they wouldn't tell me 
they pretended they didn't know. And I know better than that because you have to sign your name at the, at the main entrance. I always have to sign my name. And then when you go in, they write your name down also at the, at the waiting room desk. One thing we heard was that it might, be an might have been an attorney. I don't know who it was because they wouldn't tell me anything. They didn't tell me anything at all. Sequence of events, I mean, you know, the prisoner saying one way and uh, you're suggesting another way. What you're saying is that you think the only way it could have happened was that they, they just what, went into his cell and shot him and then, uh, then took his handcuffs off and, and threw him out into the yard? It's been done before. They've killed people even worse than that before. Is that, is that what you're suggesting you, you think might have happened? Yes. Something like that? That's what I think happened. Because, you know, could you fire a gun if your hands were chained together? And could you run if you had chains on your legs? That's the way he walks outside of his cell. He doesn't get out of his cell and come down there without chains on. And he couldn't possibly run with them on. So they had to take them off. They'll fix up another good lie and tell. It'll be altogether different the next time you talk to them. They'll pretend like they found out new evidence. That goes on all the time. I didn't hear your, your earlier version. What? Uh, what do you believe happened? I believe they shot him and threw him in the yard and photographed him. Did they let any few people go back there and look? No. Well, who took the photograph of him on the yard that they sent to the papers all over the United States? That was in a helicopter, as I understand, or shot from a helicopter. And then they proceeded to send it all around to show what they do to niggers when they get smart. Is that it? Mrs. Jackson, what do you plan to do now? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know one thing. I'm not going to let them smear him, kill him, and cover it up and sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to let them get away with that. I think there was some talk uh, of uh, some kind of commission, uh, people's commission. Can anyone expand on that at all? The defense committee. Yes. Um, it's been suggested by uh, several prominent citizens that... Uh, an independent people's committee be formed to investigate and attempt to discover the truth of the, of the facts of the situation. Um, at this point, uh, a meeting is currently being arranged of uh, community peoples to discuss this idea and to prepare a demand to be made upon the governor of this state for said commission to be appointed. Well, what kind of community peoples are involved? That, that remains open. And, uh, who are you, please? My name is Ed Bell. Uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer. Lawyer with the defense committee, or Mr. Jackson, at this point. Uh, have you, as an attorney, um, have you made any attempts to get into the prison? Yes, I went with Miss Jackson, this, Mrs. Jackson, this morning to uh, get into the prison and secure the release of uh, the personal effects of uh, George. And uh, we had all the law on our side, as usual. But uh, they absolutely refused to even give us the courtesy of speaking to us. Uh, they refused his mother and her grief of any, any modicum of decency. Uh, all we met was a still, hard, cold gates. Are you from uh, L.A. or are you from uh, around here? E-D-B-E-L-L, -L, right? I don't think the People's Committee will get anywhere at San Quentin. Solidarity anywhere else. Because they usually do their dirt and cover it up very well. And far as the governor's concerned, a guard at San Quentin told me last night if I wanted to know anything about my son being murdered, I could call Reagan and ask him. 
He could give me the information. So I don't know. We still have, uh, you know, despite, if, if this is what happened to your son, we still have the, you know, the uh, three guards and two other inmates uh, killed. Uh, um, uh, does anyone have any idea of how that happened? Uh, no, I don't have any idea how that happened. But I know one thing, my son doesn't have, didn't have four arms and four legs. He couldn't kill all those people and run all at the same time. I know that. Does anybody have any, any other questions? Mr. Jackson, I'm sorry, I arrived late. Uh, could you just give your reaction once again to, to the whole violent incident? My reaction is that the prisoners are, are just, they're treated just like they're not human. They're always treated like that. Because the guards themselves said they only treat them like animals. That's not me saying that, that's them saying it. They treat them like they're animals. They have no human consideration for them at all. And if a man doesn't drag his feet and bow his head, he's considered incorrigible and can't be helped. You really have to be an Uncle Tom foot-dragging fool in order to get out of prison or else inform on somebody else or lie on somebody else. That's the only way you ever get out of a prison in California. Unfortunately, I didn't have the CIA to rescue him in a helicopter. Maybe I should have had them. Hey there. When did you last visit, uh, George? Thursday before last. What did you talk about then? We talked about a lot of things. We always talk about a lot of things. We reminisce and and try to think of the future, which we both knew that neither one of us have. George never quite gave up faith in the system as much as he said he did. He finally thought that the people would, would, uh, would come around and force these people to do justice once in their life. He thought that. But he doesn't know how fickle people are like I do. People only latch on to the latest happening. If he hadn't been killed yesterday, nobody would even be in this office. We've been begging people to come around here for two months. And nobody will come. They all have some kind of little petty grievance that they have to take out on each other. This is the bigger crowd that's ever been in here. They don't li people don't like you when you're honest and straightforward. You have to be a crook for people to like you. That's the reason why nobody come around. When the crookedness went out of the situation, people quit coming. Okay, there are some other people in the room who just walked in, and um, we'll see if any of them would like to make a statement. Mrs. Jackson, is there anything else you'd like to say? Yes, I'd like for, to say that the prison officials will never admit when they're wrong. I talked to Warden Parks about two weeks ago, and he admitted to me he was wrong, but he wouldn't admit it to his guards. He tried to frame us into saying that we made our kids carry toy guns in the prison. And I asked him, did I look like that I was that imbecilic to him that I would want my kid to carry a toy gun and hide it? I said, what do you think we could do with a toy gun? Well, nothing really, but you know, uh, attempts have been made. 
I said, not with a toy gun. I said, nobody's that stupid. And I said, anyway, do you think I'm so stupid that I, that's, that I wouldn't know that something metal would go off in the detector? You see, the, the whole thing is that they don't think that anybody that's black has a brain cell clicking. My son has been in prison for 10 or 11 years. I have never once since I've gone to that prison carried myself with disrespect with those people. And I expect to be treated the way I carry myself by everybody. Now, if I'd been, if I'd been going there that long and never attempted anything, why would I be doing it now? You see, the, the things that they say and do don't make any sense at all. That's because they have all the authority and all the power. They think they can get away with anything. This is one black man they're not going to murder and sweep under the rug, unless they murder me too. Thank you, Mrs. Jackson. Uh, is there anyone from the defense committee who, who would uh, like to uh, say anything? We are the defense committee. The Solidarity Defense Committee consists of me, my daughter, and Derek Maxwell, and a few other people who aren't here. As I said before, when you try to do things right, people run. There's nobody in America likes right. They all like dirt. Okay. Your daughter, Mr. Nixon. This is my daughter. Uh, did you come up from Los Angeles too? Are you? Are you? Are you, are you what, what's your name, please? Penny. Is there anything you'd like to say? No. Uh, are there, this is live on the radio. Is there anyone from the defense committee, anybody else who'd, who'd like to make a statement? The defense committee is here, except my mother and I, right now. <clears throat> okay, a number of other media have uh, just walked into the room. Uh, some TV cameras. Uh, apparently, uh, they're about to do an interview, on, which will probably uh, duplicate duplicate uh, some of what's just been done. If there's, uh, I'm listening to a portable radio. If there's anyone back at the station, uh, do you want to indicate back at the station what do you want to do? Well, there doesn't seem to be anyone there right now, so we'll continue. Uh, Mrs. Jackson, as she's interviewed uh, for Carol on TV. Who said that? That's, that's you know, that's the the implication from that he committed suicide. Yeah, I'm sure you. You and I. Know I haven't better. heard anything. You see, they don't uh, think that they should tell me anything. I called out there all last night. I went out there this morning, but I was told that they didn't want to see me. They didn't want to talk to me. Last night, a guard told me if I wanted to know what happened to my son, to ask Ronald Reagan. He could tell me. Do you have any idea then what happened in the adjustment center? I don't have any idea. The only thing I know is what they tell the reporters. They don't tell me anything. They didn't even tell me he was dead. I found that out on the radio. The, from what they do say, uh, they say that George ran for the gate with a gun in his hand. Uh, that sounds a lot like... They anything. Where would he get a gun? That's my question. Where would he get a gun and why would he run at the gate? Where would he get a gun and why would he run to the gate where he knew he couldn't get out? They're trying to say he was crazy. Is that what they're saying? 
Why don't they say they killed him and threw him in the yard? That's what I believe. I believe they killed him and threw him in the yard. I don't know what happened to the other men. I know one thing, I feel sorry for them too. I feel sorry for anybody who loses their life. Because when it comes down to it, no matter how much money you have, the only thing you really have is your life. I, I, I have something to say about that. Just just uh, something brief. Uh, the way I think that it happened was that as soon as he stepped out into the open, uh, there was a guard like when W.L. Nolan was killed in Soledad last year. I believe that uh, the guard from the tower, they say he was 60 to 75 feet. No, yards. Yards. It didn't happen like I that. that no, it didn't. They killed the him and threw him in the yard. That's what they did. He, how did he get to step in the yard? He doesn't get to step anywhere without somebody with him. Well, that's what I mean. They missed the guard. You know that. They missed they everybody. They just shot him. anywhere unless the guard is with him. That's a bunch of lies. They make us sit there three and a half hours in the room telling us that he can't come without an escort. So why would he be anywhere without one? He, he, he didn't have the escort. He had the escort. I believe that the guard armed like the one when they killed W.L. Nolan was a marksman. And when he stepped out, or he might have even been pushed out by the guard. You see, pushed into the open by the guard. Or brought to the door and shoved. Something like that. You see. And, and then they killed him that way. What do you think happened with the other three guards? Or with the, with the three guards who were killed? We don't know what happened to people. That, I, we don't know what was going on in the prison. We don't ever know what goes on in the prison. They keep. Uh, they didn't even call me and tell me, me he was dead. So how would we know? But I do know that he had sense enough not to run for a place that he couldn't get out of. He wasn't crazy. And that doesn't make sense. They don't. All they have to say is they accidentally shot him and get away with it. They don't have to make up all these fantastic lies. They have the power. They have the authority to do what they want to do. Now, they don't need to make up fantastic lies. They could just say he was accidentally killed and there wouldn't be nothing done. Like there won't be nothing done now. We know that. We're used to being treated like that. It's not new. We're treated like that from the time we were born. Nobody cares. <clears throat> and I can't help if it hurts people's feelings. It's the truth. Do you think that Penny's a like a, a marksman waiting there, uh, and he was then pushed out. Anybody who has jobs like that are marksmen. Don't make no big thing about them being marksmen. They have a place right over there about a, a quarter of a mile away where they practice every day. Why wouldn't they be a marksman? You see, that's the whole point. They make a big emphasis if they see a black man with a gun. That's, that's what you don't understand. We're not supposed to own guns. We don't teach our children to shoot when they're five and six. My son, my little grandson belonged to a club in school. Every white kid in that club could shoot and hit targets, but he couldn't. He's a little black boy. He hasn't been trained to use a gun. You see what I mean? There's no need whitewashing this stuff. It's time people came out and told the truth about it. And I am tired of these people at the prison trying to hang some kind of dirty rap on me because I've always carried myself with dignity at that prison and been treated like a dog every time I went up there. Snub, you go up and ask one of them something, they'll turn their head off like this and answer you. Won't even look at you to talk to you. Things like that are wrong. How long can people put up with these things?
I'd rather see him dead than dragging his head and bowing his head and crying and sitting on the car, an old man, 70 years old, with no hope and nothing else. He's better off dead. If he died like that, like they, but I want them exposed. I want these people in the prisons exposed. Because it's time they were exposed. Mr. Jackson, you lost two sons uh, under violent circumstances. That's what the guard said to me last night. We killed one of your sons last year. We got another one this year. You pretty soon won't have any sons left. And laughed. What did the guard tell you that? At San Quentin on the phone last night. What is your reaction to yesterday's tragedy? I think it's the same thing that goes on in the prisons day in and day out. It's not new. It just happened to be my son this time instead of some other black woman's son or some other white woman's son that they want to kill. Do you blame anybody for what happened to your yes, son? Yes, I blame the prison. I blame the people who run the prison. I blame the governor, the state, and the, gov the United States government. I blame them all because they have the power to change these things and don't want to. Can't you understand? They don't want to change them. The word is that a gun was smuggled into Impossible. your son. Impossible. Impossible. Everybody's searched when they go into prison. And anybody that's a prisoner will tell you that. Everybody's searched. They make no exceptions. Warden Park will tell you that himself. He told me. Then you apparently don't believe the story. No, I don't believe Your son had a gun. It's a bunch of lies. You believe there was a gun involved? Or? I don't know if there's a gun involved or not. But I know he didn't have one. There wouldn't be no way possible for him to have it. They search him every time anybody visits him. No exceptions. They do it every time. Would you don't believe that your son would try to an attempt to escape? He had better sense than try to escape out of San Quentin. He wasn't crazy. He knew it like the back of his hand. He knew that he couldn't escape out of San Quentin with one handgun. They're trying to say he was crazy, demented, and wanted to commit suicide. They're lying. They set up his murder just like they do everybody else that speaks out against them. And they'll probably do me the same way because I am going to speak every chance I get. These people have the power to do right. Why don't they do right? There's a man, and I'm not saying I'm a racist. I don't hate all white people. Ramsey Clark wrote a book. They could take a lot of good suggestions out of his book. But they don't want to do right. They just absolutely don't want to. And I can imagine when the American public is going to wake up to the fact that the people who own and run this country don't want to do right. They know they have everybody in this country afraid of them. People don't love this country so much. They're afraid of what their own country will do to them. That's the reason why they don't say anything. They're afraid. Okay. Um, Mrs. Johnson is embracing Madel Shirek from the Black Caucus, who has just arrived. And she was just interviewed by a gentleman from Channel 7. She is, I believe, about to sing goodbye to people. I believe she's about to leave. So at this point, we'll take you back to the studio. 
All right, if you are just joining us, this is Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown. We have been listening to Georgia Jackson, the mother of George Jackson, speaking out about the murder of her son. Uh, This is the day after his murder on August 22nd, 1971, and the lack of response from authorities at the prison where he was shot. This press conference at the Soledad Brothers Defense Committee was broadcast live um, from KPFA. Questions are also asked of members of the Defense Committee, including George Jackson's sister Penny and Mrs. Jackson's attorney Ed Bell, regarding their plans for pursuing justice regarding Jackson's death. We're going to take a quick musical break and come back with more uh, commentary on Black August. Delirious, but I'm still a captive. I gotta wrap this time. 
to read a piece authored by Paul Red. Uh, he is one of the hunger strikers, one of the elders that um, did come home last year in May. We welcome you home, Paul Red. Uh, again, one of the organizers, which means he was also one of the um, organizers and creators of uh, Black August Memorial, Black August Resistance. And um, you can read uh, the interview that I had with him and Kubwa G2 in this month's issue of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper by going to sfbayview.com. And at this moment, I would also like to say, if you do want to know more about the hunger strikers, um, you can also find more information by going to www.prisons.org, the uh, California Prison Focus website. Uh, Play around there and get some wonderful, powerful information about what's taking place within our prisons. All right, here is the piece by Paul Red. The deluxe edition of Webster's Encyclopedic Unabridged Dictionary of the English Language, an 1854-page cumbersome collegiate dictionary with a chronology of major dates in history appendix, that is the CMDH. The chronology begins circa 200 BCE with the first Kemetic Egyptian dynasty and ends with the October 3, 1993 killing of 18 American servicemen and wounding of 75 others in Somalia, accounted in the movie Black Hawk Down. The CMDH for the year 1965 has 45 entries. Conspicuous by its absence from new African perspective is the February 21st assassination of Malcolm X, the omission may have been due to a grudge against Malcolm X, a retaliation for Malcolm X suggesting November 1963 assassination, which is included in the appendix, of the 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, may have been a case of, quote, the chickens coming home to roost, unquote. The exclusion of Malcolm X's assassination from the CMDH appendix may have been an attempt to manipulate future generations to favor Dr. King, assassinated April 1968, also included, over Malcolm as the preeminent leader of blacks in America during the civil rights era. It may be an example of divide and conquer tactics on display, whereas the possibilities stated are likely causes for no mention made of Malcolm X's death in Webster Encyclopedic Dictionary. It not be contrary. The chronologies that compiled the CMDH appendix apparently gave themselves the power to decide what is history, and Malcolm's death did not meet their classification. This is a precautionary tale, and we would be wise to keep in mind the evidence of his history teaches Our folks were taught to forget our names, to forget the tongue of our ancestors, to forget what country we belonged, to forget what we had, 
to forget what we lost and a whole host of lies and half-truths designed to misinform and demean our persons. The evidence teaches losing our history only requires that we neglect to package and pass it on. Then, when we die, it will die with us. In the spring of 1978, 13 years after the death of Malcolm, Brothers in San Quentin's Adjustment Center convened a, a G and sketched out the outline for the Black August Memorial, or Black August, Black B-A-M. B-A-M, Black August Memorial, is a month-long observance, a remembrance for new African martyrs, W.L. Nolan, Cleveland Edwards, Alvin Miller, Jonathan Jackson, James McLean, Comrade George and Joka Katari of the California Prison Movement. These stalwarts are the focus of the observances Flea Days, BA1 Katari, BA2 James and Jonathan, BA13 WL uh, Cleveland and Jug, BA21 George. Their exemplary commitment is honored by BA, Black August participants, with four 24, with four 24 hour, 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. fast. On BA1, that's the first, uh, BA7, the seventh, BA13, and BA21. The flea days mark the date these soldiers were pushed from this existence. All occurred during the month of August, save the 13th which is a January 1970 date. During BA's 27 non-flea days, prisoners fast from sunup until dinner is served. Black August is an aspirational program. Its regiment is designed for individual development and transformation. In the heat of your location, it may be asked, why should I subject myself to this hardship? The short answer is, you don't have to. However, we're all old enough to know everything is easy, and in the crucible of prison and beyond, knowledge of self is valuable. You're probably curious as to how your participation in BA will develop you. The answer is through its journal, if you permit it. The journal will help you develop yourself. Therefore, the keeping of a BA journal is a basic tenet. It is suggested that you identify, select something you'd like to teach yourself, Commit to working on it two or more hours daily through the observance. Make daily entries in the journal on the, um, on the goal and how much time you spent working towards it. As for flea day fast or non-flea day semi-fast, it is more important what you decide you're going to do at the beginning of the day. That is, am I fasting? Am I semi-fasting? Then it is whether you eat during the time Eating or not eating only indicates your personal struggle or triumph relative to the decision you made at the beginning of the day. The entries are a gauge which allows the journal to be used for your personal evaluation. The journal is an instrument of self-criticism designed to further your development. Telling lies or claiming easy victories isn't an option, for the journal is your thoughts to you in your hand and evaluated by you. Above, I made reference to BAM's outline being sketched out in 1978. I neglected to mention the inaugurated start of the Black August Memorial is 1979. For 37 years, we guarded its legacy. 
We have studied its lessons. We have retaught what had been mistaught. We have practiced and advanced its tenets. And on the eve of BAM's 37th anniversary, we know we are the best keepers of our story. All right, now we are going to hear um, a conversation I had with Mwilimu, who is no stranger to these airwaves. As you know, I tend to speak with him on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Mwilimu is now in Corcoran, has spent 27 years in prison and 15 of those in solitary confinement. He is going to give us his take on what Black August Memorial, Black August resistance means to him. Yes, please do. I went on ahead. Um, It's totally fine. People can call back. I would love to hear your take on Black August. I mean, as you know, um, one of the things that um, is is, uh, at risk of happening out here, I think we talked about this a little bit, uh, that, you know, Black August, as it's becoming more more public, it runs the risk of being co-opted and watered down and kind of made into something else. And... Um, but I also want to respect um, how, you know, Black August and its, um, and its practice, the, the memorial and the resistance aspect of it, um, you know, may be changing a little bit anyway. Or, and I don't want to necessarily control your thoughts on it. I'm just kind of letting you know that's where my thinking has come from. And I definitely want to hear uh, where you're at with it for sure. that was laid before us that the ancestors put together, you know, because they're symbolic to the liberation uh, attempt that the man-child put down, to uh, what George meant to us, you know, and what the other comrades before them meant. So we want to keep with that tradition and we fast. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You know, and we exercise in unison just to build that discipline and to show solidarity. And we give those history lessons about those individuals and why they're significant to us, why they mean so much to us. You know, they're the trailblazers, and we're living a legacy. So we want to keep that concept and, and, and we want to keep that focus. Um, but a lot of other things happen in the month as well, like Nat Turner's slave rebellion, uh, one of Harriet Tubman's um, escapes, where she went back to free some more slaves that happened in August. You know what I mean? Certain things else happen that is still considered an African um, tradition or you can call it just history that we, we make, you know, we, we reference as well. You know, so keeping that in perspective and not deviating from that is a, of a paramount importance. You know, um, we feel like that when you tell the history about what happened in prison and who did what and why, and you tell the history about the Panther Party and how it still exists today with those of us who are, were Panther Cubs, who are part of the inside Panther chapter, you know, um, that significance is, 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 is important. So for anyone to take it outside of that, uh, they'll have to come back to a, a real reality of it because there's going to be somebody who knows the truth and its meaning and it's going to, you know, give them those history lessons like we've been doing to this younger generation. And it's intriguing to them because they never learned about it before. By design, the oppressors put leaders in prison that they didn't kill. So when they um, took over the communities like they did, flooded drugs, they knew it was going to cause this type of an effect. That's why they built more prisons in California. 
and change the laws so that we'd be affected by those those laws that come into those prisons where the bureaucrats still get money off of it. But what they don't expect is that we can still build these liberation schools and teach our young new African men who are potential revolutionaries about the truth about this month as well as other parts of their history. Hmm. Yes, I love that. So when you are talking, you are speaking with the with the youth, obviously you are speaking about George Jackson, Manchild, Jonathan Jackson, um, and uh, like Katari Golden and all of those, all of those guys. How do you then, um, then how do you uh, teach that in a way like where it becomes a history lesson, but also how it can be applied into today and like their thinking? How, how is that going or how do you approach it? Transform. 
Right. How um, I am just discovering that um, most of or do many of the the hunger strikers or the not the hunger strikers so much, but all of you that spent those decades in solitary confinement were actually the creators of Black August Memorial and Black August Resistance. I am just now understanding that. Where Next was call bo- and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Also where it was created uh, the, and, and now with uh, you know, like George Jackson University, the Noah, uh, W.L. Nolan Mentorship Program, uh, Freedom Speech Society, um, uh, Concrete and Steel, all of these things were kind of born, were born out of, it seems, um, if I'm understanding correctly, were born out of the creation of Black August Memorial and Black August Resistance, which are the, the, the same men who are the um, um, many of the, the those that have spent decades in solitary confinement and the organizers of the the California hunger strikers. Um, do you do um, do you guys talk about that? And what does that mean to you? Because I know that I I know that you spent 15 years in solitary confinement, but you consider yourself not to be an elder. You're a little bit younger. So how was that for you when you were understanding like? really who these elders are. I mean, these are like the real deal political prisoners, some of them prisoners of war. Really, um, you know, these are those pillars. Yeah, well, a lot of us, those of us who didn't spend that long back there, we learned from them. So those elders who spent 20 plus years, 30 and 40, I mean, they're to be admired. You know, what they're doing is building liberation schools under the names of those who uh, who meant something to us, you know, who laid that foundation. And it's a beauty to be around them, you know, it's a beauty to talk to them, because their sacrifices are the reasons why we have a lot of the freedoms that we do have, you know, that we, some of us even took for granted, didn't know about. You know, they fought and died so we could get TVs, radios, you know, um, contact visits, family visits, so we can get personal clothes, so we can, you know, make phone calls, you know what I mean? And... It's their examples that they instilled in me that allowed me to be a better man, to want to also give back to the younger generation now that I know what's the right and correct way for us to leftists to do things. So, yeah, a lot of them laid that foundation, and a, a lot of them um, I know will keep up with those same practices and, and teach you know others as well, because that's important to know your history, you know? And when you know who those individuals are, it, it'll make you see they had worth and they had self-worth and you do too you know you also matter and have self-worth because they wouldn't have struggled like that if it was for nothing you know they, they read and studied their history and realized they have the same blood in their veins that our ancestors had and so do you you know and when you learn from them you, you you'll do better you know you'll want to do better you'll strive to do better you know and um you'll appreciate that knowledge that they give you. You know, you'll also appreciate their sacrifices because um, if it wasn't for them, you would be lost. You know, so now what a lot of them getting out in, in the general population, they have that, you know, uh, they're able to live by that example, you know, and, and, and share those jewels, you know, and that's what I see as a beautiful thing, you know. Absolutely. So, and when, when you first got, when you, yeah, when you first got to prison, um, did you recognize right away uh, what was available to you um, from these elders? Did you recognize that uh, when you first arrived, or did it take some time for you to to kind of take it in? 
and embrace it? Uh, no. When I first arrived back in 1994, a lot of the elders were already slammed in the hole. You know, and prison was kind of violent back then. So my main line experiences were only for a couple months. You know, it was always a, a sawed-off staff here or a melee here where two ethnic groups bumped heads. And I was always thrown in solitary confinement. But it's, it's in that solitary confinement where I ended up getting those shoot turns for those incidents where I landed around those elders and they were able to teach me these things. Mm. So, I mean, you heard about the struggles of the 70s and who was who did what and what happened from, you know, older people that was coming home from prison. Like, I had two uncles here. One did 34 years, one did 32. Whoa. You know, so growing up, they were a Polaroid picture and, and a phone call. You know what I mean? So right. you always heard the stories from them about how things were. Mm-hmm. So to come to prison, you know, you don't know who the elders are to your land where they're at. You know, the administration wanted to remove leadership off that yard so that it could be the chaos that they wanted. So they can take, you know, the, the, you know, the, the administration wants to control the prisons anyway with the drugs and the, the cell phones and what have you. So, you know, but they did us a favor, those of us who got caught up with you turns back then because you put us around our elders to learn, you know, and that's where I met those beautiful brothers, you know, and realized that it was their struggles that, you know, allowed us to even have some of the things that we had when I did first come to prison. Mm. So, you know, that, that, that's how that went. But, yeah, no, everything I learned, I learned back there from them, you know. And, and uh, I'm just so happy that um, I was able to, to learn that, you know, when I did, you know. And a lot of other ones, some of them might even consider themselves elders. I don't because I'm a lot younger than them. But there's other ones who my age is a little bit older than them who aren't elders but are also around them, too. And still are, you know, which is a beautiful thing. You have 60 seconds remaining. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just, I think I was privileged and blessed. So I look at the the things that I got caught up in allowed me to evolve by being around, you know, individuals like that. See, Tawa, Informa, Taha, Rebu, Abdul, you know. Uh, and and it, it, it was, it's those brothers who I lived this legacy reflecting what they did. So I have to give back what they gave me, and I appreciate it, you know. Never let, I'll never let them think that I don't, and I'll always show them my conduct and my character that I appreciate, you know, and I'll get back to the others the same way they gave it to me. Um, fortunately, we pressed on time, but I'll call you again soon, sis. It's always a pleasure. I'll send you my bulletproof love, and uh, I hope to call, talk to you soon and see you again soon as well. Definitely. We will definitely make that happen. I send my bulletproof love back to you and Malemo. You are much appreciated. Thanks, sis. Peace. Okay, peace. All right, beautiful people, that is our show, and that is our month-long commemoration of the inspiration for and the creators of Black August Memorial, Black August Resistance. I encourage you to go to www.prisons.org to learn more about the uh, these elders, these freedom fighters, these political prisoners here in California, as well as uh, sfbayview.com. Uh, both of those websites will get you to uh, just a plethora of information about Black August and all of those involved. Um, have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. We'll see you next week and get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer.